You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Chris, thank you so much for being Maana on Empathy Always Wins. Um, I was just like reading a lot about the incredible work, the upskilling that you do in the region. And um, um, as well, Serene on my team was talking to me about uh, how like, you know, it's 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 inspiring to see, you know, you being based in Lebanon. Uh, Le- Lebanon has seen so much in the in the in the, in the past few years. But uh, but 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 seeing you emerge as a leader and, and seeing Zaka uh, and for our listeners, I just wanted to kind of give you the mic to introduce yourself. And uh, thank you so much for taking, you know, the 20 or 30 odd minutes and being Mahana today. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Ali, for having me and thank you for this introduction. Um, so to give your audience a quick introduction about myself, my name is Chris. I have a background in software engineering. I've been working in the tech space for more than 12 years now. Uh, I came across artificial intelligence around uh, eight years ago when I was working on my first uh, company, my first startup, and uh, I was absolutely hooked by the power of data and what you can do you know, with a simple uh, couple of lines of code. And from there on, I, I've always had this passion to really uh, share my knowledge and push people into the field. And so um, I founded Beirut AI as a community to push AI in the region. And then throughout that uh, came out Zaka, which is uh, my current company. And uh, we try to bring education to the whole of the MENA region. So uh, in a quick introduction, I am the co-founder and CEO of Zaka. And I know that uh, yani, until you decided to launch Beirut AI and Zaka. Uh, what is the difference between them both? And uh, yani, if you can just uh, clarify that for, for our audience. Uh, yeah, we actually get asked this a lot. So uh, I initially started Beirut AI as a community uh, just to you know raise awareness about artificial intelligence. And the point was to push the local ecosystem in Lebanon and to get people in Lebanon to hear about AI and to build solutions with AI. So it was... Uh, uh, a community uh, is now an NGO, and we focus on, again, the mission of pushing AI in the region, but it's uh, limited to Lebanon. So when, when we wanted to really focus on that mission and make it a full-time mission, we wanted it to be more sustainable and uh, has a bigger reach. So that's where Zaka comes in. Uh, Zaka is a for-profit company. It's not an NGO or a community. Uh, we're all about, you know, we have community at heart, but we're also a startup, and we want to bring edu- AI education to uh, the whole of the MENA region. So uh, we focus more on the you know, the MENA region as a whole, and not just specifically on Lebanon. And you know, a lot of people think AI, yani, uh, yani, uh, we're not there yet in this region. Yani, what challenges do you face upon implementing that mission that you're on, democratizing AI and uh, building this community? I'm sure you face some challenges. How did you tackle them and how are you tackling them? Um, yeah, we have a lot of challenges uh, that we face. First of all, um, you spoke about the region and about the implementing AI in the region. The whole reason why I got into what I'm currently doing, which is education and AI, is because I initially started reaching out to companies and, and other entities to implement projects. And I discovered that uh, they don't know what AI is, right? Like you have to educate them on what AI is, what this technology would do, would help them do for their uh, businesses to in order to start you know working on some projects so i think the first challenge is education right people need to understand what really ai is it's not robotics and it's not what we see in the movies it's most of the time we're talking about algorithms 
and uh, and you know uh, you know things that happen kind of in the background and so um this was kind of the first thing that uh, we had to do it's, it's educate the market and let people and companies know what ai is to then be able to start discussing projects and implementations of ai and when you're talking about implementation the challenges there would be first of all access to data um data is very important for machine learning and ai projects and the data is lacking in the region. And specifically, a culture around data is not really present in the region. So uh, uh, you need to really have a way to collect information and to store data in a way that's private, that's secure. You need to know how to leverage specific algorithms to mine that data and uh, you know use it to build some products on some, some services. Um, so so that's, that would be the, the main challenge when it comes to implementing AI in the MENA region. You've mentioned a few really good things there, but uh, I want to take it a little sort of step backwards or a notch down in a way. I'm coming to you and I'm a company with thousands of people and I have thousands of data set being yielded every second. What is AI? Why do I need AI? That's important. Yeah, I, I always start by defining AI because I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of artificial intelligence. When they hear of AI, they immediately think of robotics. They think, uh, you know, um, a humanoid robot that's going to replace me in a couple of years and it's going to take my job or whatever. Most of what AI is, is algorithms. It's basically um, uh, a hidden piece of code that, and I say hidden, it's because a robot robotics is something that's visual, that's the hardware that you can see, versus algorithms are something that you do not see, but they basically run uh, on your machines, on your laptops, on your phones, etc. And so an algorithm is basically a way that a programmer gives instructions to, a, to, to the computer. So we tell them exactly what they need to perform step by step, and we call that an algorithm. But AI is called uh, advanced or software 2.0 or, or uh, smart algorithms because they don't take instructions as input, they rather take data as input. And so instead of the programmer giving instructions step-by-step step for the computer, we actually give them data and we tell the algorithm to process that data and to learn the patterns from that data and to basically learn to behave or learn to execute that task based on the data that it was given. So I'll give you a quick example. If you're teaching a small kid to recognize animals, let's say in pictures, you show it a, a picture of a, of a cat and you say, this is a cat. And then you show a picture of a dog and you say, that's a dog. And then you show different pictures of different animals and the kid will learn to differentiate animals by looking at different pictures. And the same thing, I did not tell the kids what a cat looks like. I, I did not give him or her rules on how to detect the cats. I actually just show, show them pictures of cats and they immediately figured out what the cat is. So the same thing is done in, in machine learning. I, in the image recognition uh, example, I show the algorithm hundreds of pictures of cats and then hundreds of pictures of dogs. And I let the algorithm figure out what makes a cat and what makes a dog. And that's how machine learning works, right? This is AI that we, that we talk about today. This is very important in scaling, right? Because you can't have like thousands of people working for a company where you can have an algorithm sort of censoring things or not, especially, you know, uh, with regards to safety. I work in mental health and a lot of people, uh, you know, if it was a forum or if it was something pornographic, uh, a trigger stuff, like 
you need to kind of let the, the, the computer do things with, that you can't do 24-7, right? How do you keep something safe? So I, I love what you've just said right now. Um, I, I, I think the, the next thing I want to talk about is like you're working in Lebanon. It's an unstabling, it's an unstable and challenging industry. Uh, how do you yeah. motivate your team to and create an environment for them where they can succeed as a leader? That's a very good question. I think I think as a leader, it's uh, important that you set the right environment and set the right mission, and uh, also get the right people who believe in that mission to be part of your team. So uh, people who work at Zaka are not just good AI instructors or good people at, at delivering sessions. There are also people who really believe in what we are doing, who believe in um, democratizing AI and access to AI education across the region. And it's because they believe in what we do, uh, small inconveniences like uh, electricity outages or internet outages, it's not really a, a barrier for them, right? Of course, it's it really hinders sometimes productivity, but we all do what we have to do to to make things uh, you know work at the end. And so I believe uh, setting the right mission and and really keeping your team in check. Here's what we're doing, and here's why we're doing it. This is more important than than how, right? We start with the why. We start with the you know the mission that we have, and as long as everyone you know stays true to the mission, again, uh, there's a lot of challenges everywhere. Lebanon has these kind of challenges. I believe elsewhere you will find other challenges as well. There's no environment that is free of challenges and and obstacles, but it's about the mentality and uh, how you you know approach these uh, obstacles. Yeah, I know you recently attended the Techni Summit in Egypt. Um, how has that experience been, and what are some key learnings that you've uh, that you were subjected there? Um, it was an absolutely uh, fabulous experience, to be honest. Uh, it was uh, my first time in Egypt and specifically in Alexandria as well. Um, what I really liked about that event is um, most of the attendees that came through the booth were students. We were students uh, coming out of university, and I loved their eagerness and I loved how excited they were they were in uh, in really pushing this, themselves and their careers into the field. So, uh, like before going to Techni, we went to Jitex, and as you know, Jitex was like the world's biggest tech conference. Uh, had I don't know hundred thousand uh, attendees or whatever. So there was a lot of people, and it was a huge event. But in fact, Techni was more exhausting for us than, than Jitex because we were nonstop talking to excited students. Like we had oh. a constant stream of students from 10 a.m. until 5, 6 p.m. constantly on the booth asking questions and eager to learn and to get started and to kind of um, jump on every opportunity they have. And for me, it's exactly what, what Zaka is all about. Like we're, we're about, uh, you know, pushing everyone into the, the, the field of AI and helping everyone get started in their career and so we found it to be the perfect audience for us. And uh, we loved it there. Wow. No, I absolutely love that. And I think that uh, it's 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 very different to, uh, I mean, here's the thing, like uh, TikTok, all the stuff young people use, uses AI, but we don't understand it. And curiosity is is, is one thing that I see in Gen Z to be the number one thing I love the most about this younger generation. They're very curious. They don't take things, you know, for granted or at light face. They know when you're BSing versus when you're yeah. a real influencer, you know what I mean? They know, they can sense it. They can really, they have emotional intelligence. 
Uh, and this maybe is something that I want to talk to you about. How how can we use emotional intelligence in AI? How can how can we drive uh, emotional intelligence engines in AI? And how and this is something that fascinates me so much. Um, there's a company called Effectiva in the U.S. Uh, they use basically AI to, to like see if you're watching a, a movie to see which parts of the movie is good to, with your facial gestures to see if it's uh, if they should maybe improve this or or if it's eliciting the emotion the director wants to like. But my question here is how how what are the uses of AI that like really 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 you'd like to share with the audience that perhaps aren't really familiar, but this is the future of AI. Like, how can we get excited about uh, the future of AI? Uh, wow, I think, yeah, you asked like many questions into one question. So I'll try to to answer you know, all of the questions that I can remember. Um, first of all, yes, AI is, is something that everyone has at least uh, came in contact with without even knowing, right? If, if you use your mobile, if you have a smartphone, you're using AI, whether you're taking a picture or you're sending a message or you're just writing a Google query or search query or something. AI has been deployed into products and services for the last three to four years at least. And so, again, if you're writing a, a chat and you can see on your keyboard uh, recommending you the next word to write or you know correcting your, uh, your words or something, this is uh, predictive typing. It's something that uses AI. If you open up Netflix and you're watching a movie or you're you recommended some some show to watch that's also AI right if you're shopping online or if you're listening to music and you get recommendations or uh, you know there's plenty of use cases of AI that that we don't really notice but small things that can improve the product that we have so I really like you can think of AI as um, as the next version of software it's actually called software 2.0 so in my the reason why I'm saying this is because anywhere that software exists, which is basically everywhere in the world, you have AI or you will have AI eventually uh, operating. You have some algorithms that can customize the experience for you. And that's the beauty of, of or the advantage of artificial intelligence is that instead of having one offering, one product that everyone should, should take and use the same, AI allows me as a product uh, developer to really customize the experience for every user. And uh, and make it so that if you like to use it that way, this is how you will interact and use the the product. And so this is how it's going to be in the future. Uh, everything will be customized to you. Like your house, for example, you'll enter your house. It's gonna detect your emotions. For example, it's gonna detect that uh, okay, Ali is, is tired. Uh, uh, maybe I should uh, dim the lights and put on some nice music. And uh, uh, I don't know. It's gonna detect that you might be a bit cold. It's gonna increase the heat. So. Stuff like that. So it's gonna help you have a a, a unique experience, unique uh, that that that's you know you it's yours, right? So depending on how you're feeling, on how how your mood is, or what you want to do, right, or what you like to do, so your habits, it's gonna customize life around you. Whether it's your house, your car, your workspace, uh, everything. So in my opinion, it's gonna be small things happening all around you that's gonna improve uh, the quality of your life. Yeah, and I, I think, hope this answers all the questions that, that yeah, you asked. No, it, it truly doesn't. And I think one thing I want to kind of get into as we kind of close our, our incredible discussion is how can companies use AI 
right now in their hiring process like how can how can you know because i'm thinking about it okay from a personal perspective but say for example i'm a team leader you and i in five years I don't want to go through millions of, of resumes. How can we understand uh, 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 or use AI to best select uh, someone? Or how can we, uh, you know, utilize AI to reduce less effort and get us to the result we want to get as human beings? Because some people might argue that, you know, you have to uh, sit and talk to people. How can how, how can AI get us closer to that uh, to to that solution? Yeah. Um... So AI allows us to automate a lot of the tasks that we have, right? So uh, that task might be sifting through hundreds of TVs, or it might be uh, the actual interview process, or it might be automating some assessment uh, task that you send to your uh, potential uh, hires. And so there's a lot of examples currently of companies that are leveraging AI technologies to uh, automate or facilitate one or multiple parts of the hiring process whether it's done doing the interviews or it's actually sifting through CVs and making sure who who is uh, shortlisted for an interview or not, or maybe it's automating the task or a technical assessment or whatever assessment you have, or at least maybe um, matching, right? Like figuring out if, if that person with those skill sets is a good match for this position or not, right? Because you have the technical skills that are easily measurable, but you also have the the human skills, the, the emotional intelligence and, and the personality type and the character. And sometimes you need, you know, that character to fit into a specific role so that they can successfully, you know, work in that position. Or maybe you need them to be a specific character to fit within the team. So I think AI will help us to easily do those matches and to easily uh, filter out the good candidates that are good for that position within this company, within that team versus just yeah, this person is a good developer, right? We don't need just good developers technically. We need a developer that can fit into whatever this need requires in terms of skills, in terms of personality, character, etc. I love that. Chris, one last thing before we wrap today's show up and go into our fire round. There's a big, huge debate. This debate is the following. Will chatbots in the region, will Arabs use chatbots? Uh, 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 emotional intelligence chatbots? There's this thing going around in the mental health ecosystem. There's a company called Wisa. They are they use an emotional intelligence chatbot, and it's like, uh, you know, if I'm not feeling well, I have someone to talk to, and it's so good in English. I mean, they're so good at using it. They came to me, tell me, for example, in, in the region, can we do some like, look, maybe this works or elsewhere, but the Arabs, it's a little bit difficult to talk to a robot, knowing that it's a robot. We want people. How fast is the adoption going to be from your standpoint? And is it going to be this difficult sooner than later? Or are we going to be fine with it? I think um, I think there are two sides of the problem that you're talking about, right? One of them is maybe the adoption side in terms of uh, will we as uh, Arabs uh, accept to talk to a, a robot maybe? I'm not so sure about that. It's not really my area, and I don't know how to answer that question. But I believe the second part of it is the technical side of things, right? And you mentioned something important, which you said that uh, there's a, a, a company that offers the same thing in English, and it's really good, and it's really nice. So, And this is exactly what my point is. Uh, English uh, NLP, or natural language processing, which is the technology that allows robots or AI to actually understand human language, is really good in English, or at least it's 
so so much better in English than it is in Arabic. And this is all because of the research that has gone and the effort that has gone into developing it for the English language versus the little effort that has gone into the Arabic language. So Arabic NLP is a big challenge that we have for the Arabic region, for the Arab region. Um, mainly it's because one, there's not a lot of people working on that compared to the number of people working on the English NLP. And this is where we, we really like to focus on upskilling people and, and building the talent pool required. We, we, we say something that we say that it's, we want to have local people solving local problems. And this is one of them, right? You cannot expect engineers in Silicon Valley, for example, to solve Arabic NLP. They don't care, right? They don't even use it there. So you need people who are actually using Arabic to, to solve that problem. And so um, I believe with more advancement to the Arabic NLP, with more uh, technologies that being, you know, uh, accurate and, and having uh, better technologies, better ways for the AI to understand Arabic, I think this will drive adoption because you, when you talk to a chatbot, you need to make it feel like you're talking to a person, right? And if the chatbot is using limited technology and cannot really understand all the different accents and dialects, because Arabic is not, it's not one Arabic, right? It's different dialects. And this is where things get tricky. So yes, we do have a billion plus person speaking Arabic in the world, but I believe that not every Arabic is the same. You have the Egyptian Arabic different than the Lebanese Arabic, different than the Emirati Arabic or the Saudi Arabic. So these dialects, they're really uh, difficult for the AI to really understand. So I believe it's more of a technical problem that eventually will be solved, and then it's going to drive more adoption for those uh, chatbots. 100%. I, too, I truly believe that, uh, Chris, and I think what Zaka's doing is amazing, Yanni. So, um, I mean, to wrap this up, I really want to enter our pie round. That's me asking you a quick question and you sort of giving me a quick uh, answer. Are you okay with that? Um, hopefully. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> let's, All right. Let's uh, try it. One book that's changed your life. Um, wow. Uh, there's a lot of books, but uh, one of them, I think it's, uh, do you know Richard Feynman? Yeah. Uh, Richard Feynman has a book called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. And it's really about his, his personal life. And uh, it's one of the books that, yeah, changed my life, I would say. If you were given one piece of advice, uh, what, if, if you gave your 15-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, less talk, more action. Like, I'm really for, you know, taking actions and doing things and, and, you know, just push yourself to do things. And I believe it also links a bit to the entrepreneurship environment. So I would really encourage them to try and not be afraid of failure. What's one thing you wish the Arab world had uh, that, uh, that you see around the world and, and you don't see? More collaboration and less uh, competition. 100% agree. 100% agree. Chris, it was lovely having you today. And uh, if you if you want to leave the floor with one last note or one last message, the floor is all yours, Have you? Thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure being here as well, Ali. Uh, my message would be to everyone about artificial intelligence. I know that people look at AI as a purely technical thing. And if I'm not into technology or uh, computer science or something, I don't really care. I invite everyone to actually learn about what AI is to learn about this technology because it's it's just like electricity. It's going to be everywhere. It is already everywhere. And it's revolutionizing all the industries and all the sectors. So even if you're not working in technology, you need to understand basically what AI is and how it's affecting your industry because it's going to affect your job. 
if not now, in the future. So everyone should understand this technology and invite everyone to dive into, into it more. And once you do, you will learn that it's not something to be afraid of. It's actually going to elevate our lives, going to augment our capabilities, and it's going to make us better humans. Uh, again, thank you, Ali, for hosting me. And it was really a pleasure. Like Chris, I love it. Uh, I'm going to include all your contact information, uh, your email, your LinkedIn, everything that uh, anyone would love to get in touch uh, with you would, uh, would, would need. It's been lovely having you. I think you're doing an incredible job. Um, please keep us in the loop whenever there's uh, new AI uh, information, leaders, how leaders can utilize AI. The, 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 this show is uh, considerate a home for you. And thank you so much for being here. I genuinely had a, had a great time. Uh, do feel free to share it with your friends. Drop us a rating on Apple. Subscribe to the show. Follow it on Spotify. And we'll see you soon in a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. Take care and have a lovely day, guys.